theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome all of you as the sun rises over a new day. May this day be one that brings good news, good blessings, and a lot of healing to our planet, to our world, to our country, and to our people. So I want to welcome all of you who are here with me virtually. We're going to continue the discourse that we began yesterday. So today's class is dedicated by Dr. Michael and Liz Michelle in loving memory of her mother, Shirley Levy, Sarah Pessel, Basra of Arielab, in honor of her first yard site on the 22nd day of Adar. Today, Chavbez Adar. One of the earliest founders of Muncie, she devoted herself together with her husband to building the community, yeshivas, shuls, while raising her own family. She is survived by four children, 16 grandchildren, 50 great-grandchildren, and two great-great-grandchildren. Tehei nishmasa tzura b'tzar hachayim, for her loved ones, her family, and all of the Jewish people. And thank you very much to our dear friends, Dr. Michael and Liz Michelle. So, go to the yeshiva.net, and let's, uh, let me put this on plain mode, so we don't have any distractions here. Please go to the yeshiva.net to uh, today's class. Under the video, you have the source sheets, you have a PDF, or on top of the video on the right side, you'll see source sheets, and you could uh, open up the sources that we're learning. Yesterday, we began a new mimer, a mimer of the Rebbe Rashab, beginning with the words Matzazushan Oechlam al Shema from the year Tafresh Ayin Beis, which would be 5672 or 1912. You can hear yesterday's class would be worthwhile. We discussed the, all the questions that he opens up the discourse with to understand the meaning of the Haggadah, the words of the Haggadah about Matzah, the words of the Posseg about Matzah, bringing up the question of uh, the words Nigla and beginning to explore the concept that the Torah emphasizes that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was done in haste and there was a mitzvah to eat to eat the matzah on the night of Seder in haste and the question was why was that so important? They're leaving Egypt already. Leave, as we call it, Balabatish. And the main point we explained was that the concept of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, both then, historically then, and throughout the ages, what it represents in a person's life is 
the ability to be able to confront my darkness and extricate myself from it, even when it is a voice that is very much a part of me. Even when it is part of my life, I am there. There is toxicity, there is confusion, there is uncertainty, there is darkness, there is Mitzrayim. There's a part of me that is very much bound and connected to Egypt. Still, I can experience freedom. And that's why they had to rush. They had to run away. The Pasuk says, Ki They had to run. Why they have to run? Why couldn't they walk? Why they have to go fast? Why couldn't they go slow? And the answer is because they had to run from themselves. If they would walk slowly, they could end up right back in Egypt because even though they left Egypt, Egypt has not left them. When they say you could sometimes take the Egypt out of the person, but you can't take, you can take the person out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of the person. So yes, they were taken out of Egypt, but Egypt was not taken out of them. And therefore they had to, they had to run away. They had to run away from themselves. They had to extricate themselves from themselves in order to make sure that they don't end up in the abyss of Egypt. That was the basic summation of what we learned. Somebody did write a beautiful comment on the yeshiva.net video page, which I actually felt very good to read because I felt that this person really captured um, and applied it to her life. I want to read you what she wrote. This is a comment on yesterday's class. I think when the inner voices of Egypt are urging me back into slavery and darkness, we don't usually free ourselves by fighting back with other voices. Often that only entangles us deeper into the darkness and maze of our mind. Freedom is the ability to leave behind the mind, even if it's stuck in Mitzrayim, and engage in an action that liberates us. The action that we needed to take by Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim was leaving in a hurry, Irrelevant where the mind was. Eventually the mind will follow. Overcoming darkness always has to be initiated by an action. It's that action that can bring us closer to the light. Without an action we can remain perpetually enslaved in the battles with the voices in our mind. And yes, we would have still been stuck in Mitzrayim had God not taken us out that day. Through an action we become separated from the thoughts of Egypt. And that's very, very authentic and very true point. Kivarech Ha'am is a very important moment because if I'm not ready to flee, if I'm waiting for a wholesome, holistic, serene experience where every part and fiber of my being agrees with the exodus, I may wait forever (laughs) and I may remain stuck, God forbid, in Mitzrayim. So I have to be able to talk talk to the voices of Mitzrayim in me and say, I know you're here and I know that you're part of me, but I'm not going to let you define me and I'm going to run from you. And that's what awareness is. Awareness means I can't extricate and rid myself of the darkness, but I can identify it. And if I can identify it, even though it's painful, 
that moment, I don't have to be defined by it anymore. Got that? If I identify it, I don't have to be defined by it. Identifying it, of course, is the biggest problem because Mitzrayim doesn't like to call itself Mitzrayim. It likes to call itself redemption, enlightenment, nature, experience, and the most important word, my reality. This is my reality. This is the reality. There's nothing else. The moment you can identify it, you say, no, no, I'm not going to stay here. Let's continue. Second paragraph, page Kuf Samach Zayin. To understand even more. This concept of Chipoz in the haste that was necessary when they left Mitzrayim. Hine Isa Bezoyer Sava, Parchus Mishpatim, Al Posak Loi Seitzik and Seisavadim, Hadahudik Sivkiloi Bechipazin Seitzayu, Bemenusa Loi Seilechum. This is fascinating. This is a, everybody knows there's a safer called the Zoyar. Zoyar means light. This is one of the most fundamental works of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, that's composed based on the portions of the Torah. He's quoting here a piece of Zoyar of Parshas Mishpatim. It's known as Zoyar Sava, Zoyar Sava. Sava means Azeda, you know, like Saba, or an elderly man, an elderly sage is called Sava or Saba. And the reason is because the teachings in the Zoyar over there, Parshas Mishpatim, were conveyed by a man who was known as Sava, the older man. And initially, the sages who were sitting with him did not uh, suspect that he has any great uh, insight into life until he opened his mouth and they were flabbergasted. So it's called Zoyar Sava Parshas Mishpatim. It's like a sec- well-known section of Zoyar called Zoyar Sava, the Zoyar of the, of the elderly grandfather type of sage and what he taught. And he quotes a Pasuk. And this is a Pasuk that when you read it, it's difficult to understand. In fact, I would say for many people it's disturbing. The Pasuk is in the opening of Parshas Mishpatim, which deals with the laws of slavery. And if you don't understand them, it's hard to digest, especially for modern man and woman living today. And one moment in the opening of Mishpatim, and I'll quote from my memory, but I think it's almost verbatim. If a man sells his daughter as a slave woman, as a maidservant. She should not go free like the slaves go free. Now, the moment we hear this Pasuk, it's emotionally difficult to grasp when a man sells his daughter as an Amma, as a maidservant. I'm not going to answer that question right now. We will get to it, Bli Neder as the minor continues, as the discussion continues, because we're going to see how the inner meaning and the outer meaning, as always, match each other. But this is a difficult, this is a difficult verse, it's a difficult mitzvah. And what does it mean she shouldn't go out like the slaves go out? What does that mean? It's a very ambiguous possible, very ambiguous, unclear. Does it mean she never goes out? She doesn't go out like the slaves go out. It can't mean that, because as you read on with the verses, the it continues and says that uh, uh, if, uh, let's say, this is Havadim, it gets even more strange. It says, 
If she's evil in the eyes of her master because he did not marry her, then he must liberate her. He dare not sell her to somebody else because he has betrayed her. This is even more difficult. This is equally difficult. If she's evil in the eyes of her master, he did not marry her. Who's speaking about marriage? I thought he bought a maidservant. And then he has to liberate her. He has to emancipate her. Didn't he pay money? So you let him buy her and then he emancipates her. He should not sell her to anybody else, to an amnachri, an alienation, which means anybody else, because he betrayed her. When did he betray her? Where did he betray her? He paid money and he bought a maidservant. The Torah says he betrayed her. If he wants, she could marry his son. And then she follows the, the rules of every regular Jewish daughter when she gets married. If he marries another woman, he can't take away from her food or her clothes or her intimacy. And if he doesn't do these three things, she just goes out for free and there's no money. That's the end of the story. It's a very difficult parsha to understand. Obviously, there's a lot here. And that's why we always teach and we always talk about that without Teresh Abalpeh, without the explanation of the psukim, they remain so ambiguous and unclear, it's almost impossible to understand what's happening. Comes the Zohar. The Zohar says, She shouldn't go out like the slaves go out. So you know what the Zohar says? The Zohar says, in Parshas Meshvatim, that this verse is also a metaphor. The man refers to God. The daughter refers to the Jewish soul. If a man, God, sells his daughter, the Jewish soul, to a maidservant, which represents the fact that the soul comes into the body. That's what birth is. She shouldn't go out like slaves go out. And the Zayar says, that's the meaning of the verse in Yeshaya, chapter 52. It says, You will not leave the final exile in haste. You will not leave running away, escaping, fleeing. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is You're going to leave Beshuva. Beshuva means in a settled fashion, Venachas, with serenity, with tranquility. That's how you're going to be helped. This is the contrast between Yitzhiya Mitzrayim and the final Gula through Mashiach from Hei Rabbi Amenu. When they left Egypt, it was Bechipazim, with haste. They were, they were sent out in great haste, and they had to flee. Kivarachal. When Mashiach comes, he says, It will be a very different experience. Says the Zoya, that's the meaning. When the Evan goes out, it's Bechipazin, it's with haste. When the Amma goes out, when the maidservant goes out, it's referring to the slaves of Egypt. She shouldn't go out like the slaves left Egypt. The slaves left Egypt running. That's not how the maid should go out of her master. When she goes out, it's done with, with tranquility and rest. Now, this is a very interesting Zoya. Where did the Zoya get this in the Pasuk? I read the Pasuk, it's talking about a girl who was sold as a maidservant, which I have difficult time, and which we have difficulty with. And I told you, this is a, a blee nether they can pledge, we're going to get back to it. Because I want to show you how all the parts of Tyra work in a perfect and elegant and uh, eloquent and astoundingly beautiful and exquisite symbiosis. So we're going to get to that. But for now, we're quoting this Zoya. 
So it's a very interesting zayin. She should not be like the slaves leaving Egypt. She has a different experience. This says the Rebbe. We need, in order to be able to understand why Yitzhiya Mitzrayim needed Chippazim, because contrast always helps you understand both sides. When you understand the opposite of Chippazim, you can understand Chippazim. Chippazim means haste. When we go back to Parshas Mishpat, and we know that there are generally three levels. What's called Evet Knaini, Evet Ivri, and Alma Ivriya. He says here three levels. It means, first and foremost, there's three laws. There's the law of an Evet Knaini, which is a Canaanite slave, a Canaanite slave. There is the law of an Evid Ivri, a Hebrew slave, and there's the law of Amma Ivriya, which is a Hebrew maid servant. What do we mean here? When the Torah discusses slavery in Parshas Mishpatim, and later in Parshas Bahar, and later in Parshas Re'e, three times, we see that there are three different categories in Jewish law. There was a Jew who purchased an Evid from the non-Jewish nations. A Gentile slave who was brought into a Jewish home to work as a servant. It's called an Evet Knaini. That has one set of laws. There's another set of laws pertaining to an Evet Ivri, a Jew who was bought as a slave. This can happen in one of two ways. Either he sold himself as a slave. He was very, very poor. Perhaps he couldn't feed his family, he couldn't feed his wife and children, or was starving himself, so therefore he sells himself. We call it a slave, but the truth is, the names, the term slave is not is inaccurate, because it's basically a six-year lease. If I sell myself as a slave, it can only be for six years. So it's more like a servant, it's more like an employee. And the conditions on the master are so strict, that the Gemara says in Masechus Kedushin, if you purchase a Hebrew slave, don't think you purchased a slave. You know who you purchased? You purchased a master. It's like sometimes when you hire a certain Jewish employee, you didn't hire an employee, you hired a boss. Because the law dictates that if there's only one pillow in the house, who gets it? Not the master, the slave. There's only one piece of chicken in the house. So somebody has to eat for dinner potato, and somebody has to eat chicken. Who gets the chicken? You guessed it, the slave. But there's only one blanket in the house. It's cold. Who gets it? You guessed it, the slave, not the master. You bought a slave? You bought a master. And he goes out after six years. If he wants, he could stay on. And then he would go out, jubilee, yoival. Whenever yoival happens, every 50 years there was a yoival, he would go out. This is David Ivri. There's a third category called Amo Ivri. This was a female maidservant. She also goes out after six years. She has to go out after six years. She also goes out, <coughs> excuse me, when she reaches adulthood. These are three different halachas. Evet Knaini, Evet Ivri, Amma The details in terms of halacha we're still going to get back to. But this is the introduction. And I know, I know, that these laws are difficult for people to grasp. Especially in today's day when slavery, thankfully has been abolished. So we're going to get back to all of this. But he calls them Gimel Madregas, three levels. Why three levels? Because as we always discuss, 
every halacha in Torah, every law in Torah is also a reflection of a spiritual law, of a spiritual dynamic. We just learned the Mayim Achayev initial Puraya by the Balatanya before Purim and his Sefer Torah Oyer. And there he discusses that every halacha in Torah is a marshal for a nimshal which is a marshal for a higher nimshal, which is a marshal for a higher nimshal. So there's layers upon layers. That's why he says there's three levels called Evet K'nayni, Evet Ivri, and Amma Ha'ivri. Oba Amma Ivri, Amma Arlai, Seitzik, When you understand what an Amma Ivri is on a deeper spiritual level, then you can understand what the Zayar means when the Torah says she should not go out like a regular slave. A regular slave of Evet Knaini or an Evet Ivri goes out the Chipozen in haste. But an Amma Ivriya, that's not how she goes out. Her liberation is done in a completely different way. So there's no way of understanding this Zoyar and the verse, like Seitzik, it says, point to the Zoyar, if we don't understand the deeper reality of what is an Amma Ivriya, a Jewish female maid servant. Now this is going to be now a fascinating discussion. It's going to go on for a while. What I particularly cherish about it is, as I told you many times, the, the synchronization between the concrete halacha and the spiritual or metaphysical, psychological experience within the human soul. And the, the full picture, getting the full picture of the, of the physical and the spiritual, the body and the soul, is extremely exciting. It's very meaningful and it's very relevant besides the ideas themselves, which are life-changing. So, let's continue inside now. And I'm going to encourage if anybody has questions, you can ask questions. You can write them down on your YouTube live chat or on the Facebook live chat. And those questions will be passed on. So feel free to ask any questions. You can write them down. And God willing, I will take some breaks and address the questions if and when they come. Oh, the explanation and all of this is... The ultimate purpose in the descent of the soul into the body is in order to refine and to repair the animal soul. The soul itself does not need tikkun for itself. The soul itself does not need to be repaired. So the reason the soul came into the body is not because the neshama itself needs tikkun. Rather, it's in order to refine and to be misakin what we call the nefesh of Bahamas, the animal soul. The human, the human being operates not with one soul, but two souls. We don't have one engine, but two engines, which means we don't operate on one level of consciousness. We operate on many levels of consciousness. Some may be there at the fore. They may be very revealed, and some may be subterranean, what we call today subconscious or superconscious. But we operate on different levels of consciousness. And this is a fundamental idea in, in Hashkafe, in, in, in the Mahshava of, of Judaism, especially in the works of Kabbalah and Hasidus. The Tanya is based on this, that we operate on two levels of consciousness. And it's important to understand this, that 
centuries before Sigmund Freud, a fundamental theme in many of the mystical writings of Judaism is that we don't operate on one level of consciousness. So we speak about the fact that the Jew has two souls, the Nefesh HaLakis and the Nefesh Bahamas. The Nefesh Bahamas is called the animal soul. The animal soul is not evil, it's just like an animal. An animal is not evil at all. In fact, we have a sin called Tsar Balachad. You're not allowed to aggravate an animal. You're not allowed to cause pain and suffering to an animal. The Nefesh Bahamas is basically that soul which is called the animal soul. It's like the soul of an animal. It's that soul which gives us consciousness and vitality as it gives every living organism in the world. Every mammal or bird or reptile or fish or insect or rodent. And each animal has its unique chemistry, its unique needs, its unique personality, its uh, way that it displays its emotions and it experiences itself in some form and others in some form. And this is called the Nefesh Bahamas. This is the human being in term, this is the human being as seen as part of the zoological species. We are living animals and, uh, and, and we have a soul, a soul, the electricity or the biochemical signals or the neurons, the mind, the consciousness, the nefesh that gives vitality to this animal. But we also have another level of consciousness. It's called the nefesh alikis. This is what's called a divine soul. It's a soul which is considered, as the Tanya says, it's a piece of God, it's a fragment of the divine, a spark of God, as it were, which also exists within the human being. And we operate on both levels of consciousness, the Nefesh HaLikis and the Nefesh Bahamas. So the Nefesh Bahamas is the soul that gives vitality to the human being as a behemoth, as an animal. And as an animal, our quest is like every animal, self-gratification, and most importantly, self-preservation. So the Rebbe tells us here that the ultimate purpose of the soul coming into the body was not for the tikkun of the soul itself, of the nefesh alikis itself. It's rather to work with your animal soul. Now this in itself is a critical idea in life because I'm struggling, I have conflicts, I have issues to deal with. And I turn to myself sometimes and I say, why? Why am I dealing with this? What's wrong with me? There's this guilt and shame that comes with the fact that I have to do so much work. And he says, no, this is it. This is the purpose. This is the purpose. It would be like a soldier sent to the front lines and then he feels guilty for doing such a horrible job because why is he he in such a difficult place? You send a doctor or a nurse into hospital to deal with patients who are struggling and suffering. And he says, what, why did I end up in such a messy place? What bad did I do? You didn't do any bad. You're very good. That's why we sent you there. <laughs> You're a good physician. You're a great nurse. You're a great uh, coronavirus expert. That's exactly why we sent you there. It's not, you're not a bad person. You're a great soldier. You're a great general. That's why we sent you to the front lines. This is critical. The reason the soul came down is in order to go to the front lines and help refine and fix the animal soul. So when you're confronting that resistance and you have to train the animal and discipline the animal and educate the animal, and the words he uses here is bitter and tikkun, 
Biru means refine and Tikkun means repair. That's that's because you're good. It's because you're great. It's not because you're bad and guilty. I hope you can take this. I hope you can take this in. And the reason we're saying this is because the soul itself doesn't need tikkun for itself. It doesn't have to be repaired by itself. Why not? Because all the souls are in atzilus. What do we mean the souls are in atzilus? So I can't elaborate here on every single term. A lot of the terms become clear when you follow the classes. We discuss different terms at different points. But it basically means... Olam HaAtzilus, the world of Atzilus in Kabbalistic writing, is considered the highest universe or the first universe of Hashem, meaning it's a reality, a world, but a world in which complete oneness with God is experienced. That's called the world of Atzilus. Every neshama comes from that place. And the world of Atzilus is a world that is completely refined. It was nisbarer, it was refined in the ultimate refinement from above. And what he means by this is, what does it mean refined? Why did it have to be refined? The reason it has to be refined is because, again, very briefly, I'm not going to elaborate on this, in the breakdown of the world of time and the world of chaos, the, the, the sparks the sparks of godliness were fragmented and on the debris of that chaos was created on the world of healing and that first world is Atzilus and in that world there is complete biru, the complete refinement of the sparks of Toyu in that world with complete integration. There's no soul that doesn't live in the world of Atzilus. There's no soul that doesn't live in the world of oneness, in the world of oneness with the divine. How do I know? Every single Jew, no exception, says every morning, we just said it this morning, the soul that you have imbued within me is Tahiri, it's pure. That's how we begin our morning prayers. Is there one Jew who doesn't say this? The soul that you have imbued in me is Tahir, is pure. Tahir in Aramaic also means bright. Tahiru means light. It's radiant. It's full of light. It is the divine light. And whenever you say the word Tahir, Tahir represents the consciousness of Atsilas. And the consciousness of Atsilas, again, there's the world of Asiya, that's this world, there's a higher world called Yitzir, there's a higher world called Briya, but that the first world called Atsilas. And that's the reality in which there is complete oneness with Hashem. Complete. In the most revealed way. The very identity of that world is that it is a manifestation of the divine light. That is the identity of Atzilus. And every soul is that. Every single soul, every morning. No matter what I did yesterday. No matter my mistakes. No matter my upbringing. No matter my childhood. No matter my inner stress. No matter my anxiety. I wake up in the morning and I say, Don't think you're a liar. And I'm going to tell you something interesting. I think it was the Chida, Rabbi Nechaim Yosef David Azulai. He was one of the greatest Sephardic rabbis who lived in Italy. A contemporary of the Balatanya, the Vilnagon, 18th century. One of the great geniuses of the generation. He's known as the Chida, Chaim Yosef David Azulai. 
And uh, the Chidah writes that you shouldn't say Neshama Shonasata B'Tahoyrahi. You should say Neshama Shonasata B'Tahoyrah. Take out the word He. Because when you say Tahoyrahi, it means she is pure. He says, it's not true. Your soul may not be pure. You should say Neshama Shonasata B'Tahoyrah. The soul that you have given me is pure. You have given me a pure soul. Is it still pure? That depends on me. Some souls are pure. Some souls are impure. And yet, most Sidurim have the text as Neshama Shonasata B'Tahoyrah. He. She is still pure. Not she was pure and now she's dirty and toxic. She is still pure. Why? Because no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter the circumstances, no matter the mistakes, no matter the transgressions, when you speak about your soul, you can always say in confidence every single morning, no matter what I went through, no matter what's happening inside of me, no matter what I have to deal with or what I had to deal with, consciously or unconsciously, you could look at your soul and say two words, Tahira He. It is pure. It is bright. It is radiant. Why? It is the world of Atsilas. It is divine. That's what it is. It is the divine light of this world. And that's very different than the animal consciousness. The animal consciousness, the consciousness that invigorates, invigorates and vivifies and gives animation and vitality to the animal within me. If I only know about my animal soul, I experience myself as an animal, as a beast. Which is a, which is a very, which could be, by the way, a very sophisticated experience. Animals are very fascinating creatures. I, I find them fascinating. I'm always intrigued by them. I could watch animals for hours and read up on them, and they're incredible. They're incredible. And we have so many similarities. But when you get to know your nefesh kiss, your godly soul, this is a soul that is a, a reflection of infinity in this world. It has the properties of the divine, because it's a piece of the divine. It has the properties, I'm using properties, quote-unquote, the properties of God. It's, and therefore, its level of consciousness is a completely different level of consciousness. Actually, at its core, you can't even use the word consciousness, because consciousness is, uh, is already a certain defined experience, but we're not going to go there at the moment. But that the point is, the nefesh shall kiss, you could say tahirihi on every person. And there's no person in the world you say, oh, you don't say tahirihi. Sorry, you have to change the text, the text of your prayer. And this is important to understand about yourself, and about others. You know, sometimes we speak about certain Jews. They're in this state or in that state, but you have to ask yourself the question. If they would want to come down, are they supposed to say these words with God's name? With the conclusion of a blessing with God's name. And I don't think anybody would say, oh, no, 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 you're not going to say these words. You're too messed up. That's not true. So every single soul says, even the souls that have traveled and evolved through the consciousness of the world of Bri and the consciousness of the world of Yitzira and the consciousness of the world of Asiya. Remember, every world is a different state of consciousness. It's different glasses, different lenses, different perspectives. That's what we mean when we speak about different worlds. Different worlds doesn't mean one world exists a hundred million light years away and the other world billion light years away, a hundred billion light years away and the other world a hundred trillion light years away. 
One is near the black hole, and one is a little further than the black hole. You have to travel even further. The idea of the four worlds is, as he says, there could be a soul right now sitting here. It's a soul of Bria, a soul of Yitzira, a soul of Asiya, a soul of Atzillus. What does it mean? It means which world the soul lives in. We can have 20 people around the table or 100 people listening to a class, but they all live in a different world, and therefore they hear different things. They see different things. They have different glasses, different lenses. Take a virus, a microorganism, a microbe, a virus. The particles of the virus are so small, the naked eye can't see it. Does it mean it doesn't exist? Don't make that mistake of thinking that something you don't see with your naked eyes does not exist. Something that you don't see with your naked eye often exists in a far more powerful, scary, potent, and impactful way than something that you do see with your eyes. Like coronavirus, which has changed the world and also changed the physical location of my morning class. But that's from the smaller effects. Thank God. So what does it have to do with? It has to do with what you can see with your eyes, what my eyes are sensitive to. There's a soul from the world of Asiya. It operates on one level of consciousness. It sees life in a certain way. There's a soul Yitzira. There's a soul of Bria. And this is all the godly soul. And then there's a soul of Atsilus. But he says, even the souls that evolved through Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, Etzim, Ohusim, Atsilus. Their core is Atsilus. Meaning, at their core, you're talking about absolute oneness with the divine. That's the difference between angels and souls. Souls, if you go back to their core, you'll encounter Bria. If you go back to the core of the soul, you'll encounter Atsilus. And Bria means creation. Atsilus, from the word Eitzel, means oneness. Bria is already a world in which there's some form of separate consciousness. It's called a world of creation. Atzillus is deeper. The soul in its essence is deeper than the Malach, than the angel. And when we speak about Atzillus, as I mentioned before, everything began with the world of chaos, Toyu, the world of Toyu, which broke down. There was the breaking of the vessels. And then God creates Olam in the world of integration, which the world of Atsilis is the first world. But the world of Atsilis is a world in which everything was refined from the debris and the rubble and the disintegration through the Yud of the name Sad. Sad is one of the four letters of Hashem's name. It's 45, 52, 63, 72, Ma, Ban, Sad, Ab, which are different ways I went different configurations of when you write out God's name fully, Yud and He and Vav and He. The Yud of the name Sag is Mavarer, everything in Atzillus. So all the souls of Atzillus are Mamish divine. And Mamish means Mamish, literal. That's what a soul is. Such a soul is Every, so such a soul is beyond toxicity. It's, it's godliness itself. It is divine. That's what it is. You have to know who you are. If you don't understand this about yourself, you can't begin to understand yourself. You can't begin to understand the complexity of the human condition. 
You can't understand the struggle of the human condition and you can't understand the power of who you are and the potential of what is waiting to emerge. You can't understand it. It's a lukus mamash. So the soul for itself doesn't need tikkun. The soul doesn't need repair. So why is the soul here? The soul is here in order to refine and repair the animal soul. That's where the soul is here. That's the meaning of the Pasuk and Tehillim. It's Kapitel Tzadik Tfilala Maisha. The days of our years are 70, or bigvuris if we have strength, 80 years. The whole work and toil of a person throughout the days of his life. The The days that have been created and given to you is in order to refine to identify the goodness, to repair my animal consciousness. For this was estimated to each person all the days and years of his life. And he's explaining that's in them. What's in them? In them is... I come down into the animal souls in order to refine it. And I have my years measured in order to do this work. Which brings us to the next point. Based on your unique type of work that you need to do with your own animal soul. That's the measure according to which the days of your life have been defined. In terms of length in terms of quality, in terms of circumstances. Nothing is a mistake. And don't identify your struggle, this is the key point, as a symptom of your own evil and negativity. On the contrary, if you have a more difficult animal soul, what does it mean? It means that your soul has much more resources. So you are in a very wholesome place. You were sent on a mission. You're pure. That's the first thing you have to say every day. First thing you have to say when you get up every day is, you got to look into your inner mirror and say four words, five words. Neshama, shenasata, bita, oirehi. And that's my exercise for you today. The exercise is, this every morning when you say these words, if you didn't say them yet today or from tomorrow morning, you say, Elekai, my God, neshama, shenasata, bita, oirehi. That's the first thing. This soul is absolutely pure, not just pure, radiant. Tahir means light, it's bright. It's the divine light in this world. It is divine, completely. It's a piece, it's like God, it's a piece of Hashem. And what are the next words? This soul is pure, you have created it. Do you see the issue here? Grammatically, the order seems strange. The order seems strange. First you created it, and then it's pure. No, it should have said, Neshama Shanasatabi, the soul that have given me, you created it. And it is pure. Besides the fact, God created everything. He didn't only create a soul. 
The answer is, Neshama Shana Tahiri is higher than Baros. It's not a creation. It's divine. Neshama Shana Tahiri, Yatsilus. Now, after Barasa, now it evolves into Bria, after Yitzarta, into Yitzira, after Nefachta, you blew it into me, into the consciousness of Asiya, into the physical body. So, you're not bad. You're a doctor. You were sent into a difficult situation, whether in Italy or the United States or in China, in order to help save a life. So this soul was now given the power to deal with this animal soul inside of me. This is my work, my mission. And everybody has a different animal soul. Everybody has a different avoider. Yours is not mine. You know what the Balshantav once said? The Mishnah says in Prekiyamas, Ezel Gibra Akaibushes Yitzra. Who is a powerful person? The person who conquers his Yetzahara. And the Balshantav said he should have said Hakaibushes Hayetzah. Somebody who conquers the evil inclination. He says, no, it's easy for me to conquer your evil inclination. And it's easy for you to conquer mine. That doesn't make me powerful. What makes me powerful is Ezel Giber HaKovishes Yitzroi. The one who knows how to conquer his own or her own toxic challenges. I look at you and I say, oh, what's the big deal? Why can't, why can't he control himself? Why can't he get his life together? That's not a challenge. That's not a problem. The problem is to figure out my own animal soul. My own animal soul. Let me take some questions. Somebody wrote about a boss. And a... Modern people look at slavery with disdain. Perhaps a football player with a multi-million dollar contract is just as much tied and unable to leave the master. Unable to leave the master, he can also be traded. Okay, good point. So, this is the first idea we have to understand. Each of us is on a mission, and part, major part of that mission is me refining my own animal soul. And every person was given the years in terms of quality and quantity, the circumstances, and the unique relationships and encounters and experiences in order to be able to deal with their own animal soul. In fact, one of the ways how you know what is your main avoida is when you see the resistance. And this, the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, he has a sefer called Kuntras HaAvoyda. And he writes there something fascinating and incredibly powerful, that a soul, many souls have been here before, and then they're reincarnated. Why are they reincarnated? They come down again in a Gilgal. And one of the reasons is because they still need to accomplish some things that they didn't accomplish the first time around. But how do I know? How am I supposed to know? And he says, one of the best ways to know is, just things that are easier for me are usually things that I already achieved in previous reincarnations. But those issues that I'm experiencing tremendous resistance towards, I know that I need to do it. It's good. It's important. But it's difficult. There are all these obstacles inside and outside that don't allow me to go there. That's usually 
a sign that here lay one of the most important missions of my life. If you're getting a lot of pushback, this means you don't stop. And the reason you don't stop is because this is this is where you got to go. You don't look at pushback and say, oh, I'm giving up. No, no, no. You're getting pushback. You're doing something right. That's why there's pushback. That's why there's so much resistance. That's why there is, there is the voice or the inner obstacle that doesn't allow you to go there. So don't give up. Because this is a major part of your animal soul that you need to caress, you need to repair, you need to elevate, you need to sublimate. We'll take one last question. And everyone, feel free. You can write questions on the YouTube link or the Facebook link. What can we do to do tshuva for the Yetzirah? I don't know exactly what you mean. It's a very general question. But the first thing you can do, forgive me for this generic answer, it's a generic question. The first thing you should do is remember these words, the moment you know that your soul is absolutely pure and precious and radiant and, and it's divine and it's not contaminable, it's, it's, its divinity is non-negotiable. That's the beginning of old shuva. Because then you know who you are and you know that you always have the resources to deal with any filth or dirt or immorality or promiscuity or mistakes or toxicity you have dealt with. I'm going to conclude with a story. It's a story about the author of this discourse. The author of this discourse was the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. And uh, he had a chassid whose name was Rebbe, Manye Mazenson. Rebbe Menachem Manish Mazenson. Rebbe Manye Mazenson was a diamond dealer, a diamond cutter and a diamond dealer, and he had a unique expertise. He was a well-known expert in the field of diamonds. And every year he would come to the Rebbe Rashab, to the fifth Chabad Rebbe, for one of the Yom Tovim, for one of the holidays, and he would always choose the best diamond that he obtained that year and give it to the Rebbe to distribute it for Tzedakah, for the Rebbe to use for his own charity causes. This was a special gift for Tzedakah he would bring every year. One year, Reb Manya Mazenson, who was considered a man of stature, he was a Talmud Chacham, he was a Torah scholar, he was a person who uh, worked on himself, he was a refined human being, he was wealthy, affluent, he was a philanthropist, he was a man of accomplishment, of renown, of stature. He came to the Rebbe. And there was what's called Yechidus, going into the Rebbe for a private audience. This is the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe Rashab passed away, Beis Nissa, 1920, in Rostov, on the Don River, as I spoke, as I said in yesterday's year in the introduction. There was a person, I guess there was a line, and there was a person in front of him who he knew as a very simple person, a very simple Jew. And the man went into the Rebbe, and he was there for a long time. And then he left, and Reb Manya Mazenson went into the Rebbe, and relatively he was there for a very short time, discussed what he wanted to discuss. And he felt, he felt slighted, he felt hurt. Like, you know, here's a guy, a very simple person, what you might call a peasant, a simpleton. The Rebbe spent so much time with him. And with me, a man of stature and a great supporter, the Rebbe did not uh, apparently give him so much attention. No. 
The worst thing is when you have a grudge to hold it in. You're not supposed to hold it in. You have to share it. So after Yom Tif, he came into the Rebbe to say goodbye, and he shared his, uh, I don't know, grudge or his uncomfort or the pain that he had. You know, he felt uh, something, inequality. <laughs> and the Rebbe listened, and he didn't say a word. did not say a word. You know, he didn't defend himself. He, he, didn't, he just listened. The Yechidus was over, the audience was over, and he takes out all the diamonds. He says, Rebbe, this year I have a beauty for you. And he puts out all the diamonds on the desk, on the table. And he points to the Rebbe Rashab and he says, Ah, this is something special. Can't use the word priceless, but something out of this world. And it's going for, say, I don't know exact number, but he gave the huge number, let's say 25,000 rubles. You know, something special. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rasha picks it up, looks here and here and here and here. And he says three words. I don't see the, the dazzling beauty of it. So he starts pointing out to the Rebbe the qualities of this diamond. And the Rebbe looks again. And again, he attempts to explain to the Rebbe the unique properties of this diamond and its setting and all of its components that set it apart from other diamonds. And the Rebbe looks and examines and scrutinizes a here and there. I don't see. So finally, this chassid blurts out out of frustration and desperation. Rebbe, zu verstehen adement auf meinen you need to be an expert. What should I tell you? In simple English, it would be, like he said, you're not an expert. I'm an expert. You need a diamond connoisseur. You need a connoisseur. If you would be a connoisseur, you would appreciate it. You're not, so you don't. The Rebbe smiled and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Und zu verstehen an der Schamme darf man euch sein am Eben. And when it comes to souls, you also have to be a connoisseur. You also have to be an expert. <laughs> Just like I don't know about diamonds, I'm not a connoisseur. In souls, you also may be lacking some knowledge. What was he telling this person? He was telling this person, you know, you look at a person, and if you don't know the Shomash and Asata be Tahirihi, you missed the boat. And you have to be able to know how to look at a diamond. You have to be able to know how to appreciate a diamond. You have to be able to know how to analyze a diamond. You have to be able to know and see the full beauty of the diamond. This will be the end of the shear today, the first class. I want to invite everybody. I want to invite everybody tonight. We're going to have a live class, 9 o'clock p.m., right here on the yeshiva.net. It's going to be featured on the homepage of the yeshiva.net with a source sheet. We're going to be learning a very fascinating uh, shir, a rashi on Parshas Pekudeh. It's going to be a text-based class in Lekutei Sichos Parshas Pekudeh, which is a talk, a shir that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave some years ago on Parshas Pekudeh, analyzing a very, very difficult rashi and showing the extraordinary precision in every word of Rashi. 
discussing why Moshe suddenly blessed the Jewish people, what's the meaning of a Jewish leader, what are the qualifications of a Rebbe, of a leader, and why do I need to have a Rebbe in my life? That's going to be some of the topics we're going to be exploring tonight, 9 o'clock p.m. live. Everyone is invited. It's also going to be on YouTube live and on Facebook live, and you can ask your questions as well. And now we will move on to the Gemara Shear. We're going to take a one or two minute break and move on to the Gemara Shear and continue our class. Those who are here with us and staying with us have a wonderful day. And those who continue learn with us, are continuing with us, please continue to have a wonderful day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.